Welcome to Fitsby Radio. Slip on your minimal sneakers, notch your headphones into your ears, tuck your smartphone into your pocket, and take us along for a walk while we talk. Or just grab a cup of your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch a bit while we bring you all things fitness, core, and diastases recti related. You guys ready? Yes. All right. Born ready. Born ready. I love that. I I love your first one though. Like I wish I could just say all those things. I know. That is so bad. Hey everybody, welcome to fit to be Radio. My name is Chris Banky. I'll be your host today. I'm here with Beth Learn. She's the CEO and founder of fit to be Studio. We also have with us a guest I'm excited to get to talk to today. Her name is Nicole Barati. Nicole, thank you for spending time with us today. Um, Thanks for having me. I'm super yeah, absolutely. excited to be here. Nicole, Nicole is the founder and owner of Bend and Blossom. Um, we were talking a little bit in the pre-show. She does a lot of things. She's a lifestyle fertility, hormonal health coach, doula, yoga teacher. She is a woman, women's health person for sure. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm excited to kind of jump into some of that stuff. Um, now, where are you located, Nicole? I'm at the Jersey Shore. Okay. Okay. And how long have you been on that side of the country? I grew up here in New York. Um, okay. Lived in Aspen, lived in London, Paris, you name it. Okay. Uh, LA. And I made my way back to the East Coast about 14 years ago where now I'm raising my family. Okay. So you had a chance to try several very diverse places, but you came back to that area. So you must love it there. I like it here. okay okay of of all those places you lived what was the worst place what was the worst yeah the absolute you definitely would never go back there i'd go back to visit but i'd never live in chicago again okay okay sorry chicago peeps that's fair (laughs) summers there are pretty brutal and the winters there are pretty brutal i know that yeah brutal traffic really good food but Mm -hmm. traffic weather Yeah, for sure. Now, Beth, how do you and Nicole know each other? Well, I met her online. We connected online, okay. um, you know, under the similar hashtags and and colleague meeting junctions of women's health and as the, as it crosses over into yoga and fitness and exercise. And then I ran into her again at the New York women's health live event. Yep. We've okay. had quite a few guests from there and, um, and, you know, was able to hug her and shake her hand and, and connect on an even deeper level. And then we've continued to chat here and there online and, and just support each other's postings and things. And recently she had this really awesome post series about birth control as it impacts women's health. And I was like, this, this is what I want to talk to you on my podcast about. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it's such an interesting topic because there's so much bad information that's out there. Um, Mm -hmm. Before we jump into that though, tell me about Bend and Blossom. Bend and Blossom is a childbirth education center, prenatal yoga, um, hypnobirthing, Lamaze, breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. and a group of doulas that, we educate and empower and support women throughout the entire pregnancy. Um, we've recently added preconception work, so preconception classes and support, as well as pelvic cool. floor and postpartum support and education. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And how long have you been? How long have you had? How long have you been doing that? Almost nine years now. Wow. So you yeah. like that too? 
So you like you I like do. the East Coast and you like Bend and Blossom and, and you're in you're in all the way. Bend and Blossom is actually my fourth child. I have three boys and I have Bend and Blossom. Oh. That's how I feel about fit to be. I'm like, it's my third baby. It's yeah. so true. <laughs> it's so true. It, it makes, takes about as much time as a kid. You smile and it makes you cry and it's it's just, you know, that's <laughs> Yep, um, it does. So let's 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 talk about birth control a little bit. Um not a little bit. Let's talk about it. Um let's not yes. let's not dance around it. So at, at the high level, um you know, there's several different kinds of birth control. I think a lot of times when people say birth control, they immediately think about birth control pills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know a lot of women use that method of birth control. Why, why are so many women using that form of birth control? What do you think about it? What, what are the effects of it? What, what do you think about that overall? Mm-hmm. So there are definitely different forms of birth control. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right that when we think birth control, we think the pill. Right. Um, I think that high school girls are marketed with the pill. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to go off to college, you should be on the pill, according to their mothers and the doctors. And then women are placed on the pill to regulate their menstrual cycles. Women who have PCOS, women with extreme PMS or PMDD, which mm-hmm. is an extreme form of PMS, um, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And, you know, it's not always the answer. Sometimes it is. Sure. I have fertility clients who are put on the pill for two weeks Mm -hmm. to give their ovaries a chance to make more follicles or to catch up with what their bodies are trying to do. Mm -hmm. That's short-term use. Right. So where I touch on is more the long-term effects Mm -hmm. that we're not learning more about from our doctors and from older generations. We're not learning the, the long-term effects on the body. Now Mm -hmm. I want to jump back real quick and and talk briefly about this. Um, you, You said something that young girls in high school are being marketed to. So what I think you mean by that is that girls, the, the, birth control, the pill manufacturing companies spend advertising dollars and target specifically girls in high school. That's what you mean to say, right? Yes. That I think for a lot of people, they're going to go, yep, totally get it. See it. I know what you're talking about. I think for a lot of other people, they might be shocked by that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they might also be thinking, but isn't that a good thing? I mean, high school girls, hey. Um, uh, and yeah, so there's a lot of assumptions probably. being made around that. And, and what we want to talk about today is a really objective look at what birth controls, specifically the pill, that's what we're going to focus on mostly today, can do to our bodies and how it impacts our fitness and how it impacts our core, how it impacts our gut health, because it has side effects. Mm-hmm. And in, in the world's rush to support women's choice, um, perhaps we don't always take enough minutes to talk about the impact of some of those choices. And I, and I want to just tell our listeners right here, right now, that we've got three people on this podcast right now, and all three of us differently. And so we are all going to be setting aside those biases, though, as we talk about this topic 
Um, and what, what amazed me at the Women and Women's Health Live events was that um, as I happen to know, you know, just I follow all these people, all these professionals that were in there, a lot of them um, were very in favor of women's choice, right? Um, but at the same time in that room that weekend, there was a lot of deep discussion about the pill and is it really good for women? And the overall consensus seemed to be no, yes, it has a place. Yes. It has some value, but like you said, Nicole, for long-term usage and, and the money that's being made off of it, (laughs) off of women in their desperation or whatever. (laughs) Um, we need to look at that and we need to be informed and educated. And so that's where we're going today. We're not here to shame or convince anybody or, or make moral judgments. We're here to talk about the science and the biology of this. Right. Yeah. Right. I think with almost any pharmaceutical doctors are very quick to just write the script and send you on your way without telling you the benefits and the risks Mm -hmm. to the drug. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so just make sure we're all on the same page. When we say short-term, long-term, what you mentioned two weeks. So what can we, for the purpose of this podcast, what can we think of as short-term use and long-term use? So if you're taking the pill for medical reasons to get your body to a place where you can address the root cause mm-hmm. or to fix an issue medically to get to the place where it can be fixed long-term. Right. So a lot of prescription drugs are putting a Band-Aid on the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not necessarily getting to the root cause of the problem and curing you of right. any dysfunction in your body or any imbalance in your body. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is short-term, maybe like you said, two weeks to a couple of months, mm-hmm. long-term we're talking like years. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have clients that I work with who have been on the pill since 16 years old mm-hmm. and are now in their thirties trying to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. I took birth control when I was like 14 because that's what the doctor prescribed a female OB who I went and saw because I was having irregular, heavy periods, like every two weeks, I had anemia and their solution was birth control. Right. And it felt weird. I was like, I actually, I felt like I needed to hide it. I was going to a private Christian school at the time. And here I was taking birth control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, how on earth do I even, and I'm supposed to take it every day right. at lunchtime. Right. <laughs> it was the instruction. Right. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a, like, I'm not, having sex. I really, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I felt like I had to disclaim it. And t- like, because of course people, the girl, the other girls saw it and what, Oh, Hey Beth. Whoa. Hey, I'm like, no. <laughs> um, and so there was this stigma and, and I didn't, I mean, I was on it, I think for two months. And so thankfully that doctor was, you know, she was like, look, we're going to do this for two or three months. And just to stabilize your periods and it helped me. It did work. I got off of it because I didn't have a reason to stay on it. I wasn't sexually active. Um, I had no plans or, you know, there was no, nobody on the horizon. Um, so I got off of it and have never been on it since when I, when we got, when I got married, um, and there probably was a season in my college years where it might've been wise for me to be on it. Uh, if we're being honest here, uh, but um, my husband and I, um, we, we didn't, we waited until we got married. And so we opted to learn about the 
fertility awareness method. Yes. And that is what him and I have always used and used it to avoid pregnancy and then to get pregnant. Um, and, and that was great. It's not the rhythm method. I'm sure you can go into that, but that's just my own little bit of personal history to say, yes, I have experienced being on birth control short term. Mm -hmm. And then later in my life, really evaluating my options and saying, "Mm, I really don't want to do that again. Cause I mean, oh my goodness, as a 14 year old, the mood swings and I I gained weight as a 14 year old. It was like, Mm -hmm. this is not nice. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So So the fertility awareness method is very similar to the rhythm method. Actually. Yeah, it is similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot, it's a lot more like, Hey, we're not just gonna on day 14, avoid things or right. Which is how a lot of people understand the rhythm method to be. Exactly. But, you know, with following fertility awareness method or the rhythm method, I think there's a lot more benefit to the woman's overall well-being Mm -hmm. in following such a method because she's getting to... And if there are issues, she's able to address the root causes so much more easily. Mm -hmm. She has so much more access to her hormones from a natural place. Right. Let's talk about um, these long-term effects. Let's get a little bit more specific. When you say long-term effects, um, what what kind of effects are we talking about? So, for instance, the pill blocks estrogen and increases testosterone. Mm-hmm. And so that can permanently throw a woman's hormone balance out of whack if she's on the pill for any extended amount of time. Right. Um, Too much testosterone for the woman is going to lower her libido. It's Mm -hmm. going to cause painful sex. Um, Mm -hmm. When we're blocking the estrogen and we're increasing testosterone, we're blocking the natural mechanisms of the female body. Mm -hmm. So estrogen is what gives you the curviness. It gives you the natural fluids, cervical fluid, all of the Mm -hmm. things that make you juicy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kirby and juicy. It's very important for a girl. Yeah. Now, you know, it's funny because you said testosterone lowers a woman's libido. I tend to associate testosterone with an increase in libido. You know, it's for a man. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> and is it, so, and yet that goes back to okay. You have males and females with male and female reproductive systems, but the same hormones in those systems can do different things to those systems. Exactly. Which is exactly mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We it's each a, have a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Women have more estrogen. Men have some estrogen. Women have some testosterone. Men have more, more testosterone. It's like that yin and yang. There's a little bit of each and both. Exactly. But it's what brings about our sexual characteristics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when they talk about these long-term negative effects, um, you know, I, I'm just going to ask the question that I already know the answer to, but so why, <laughs> why not just stop taking the birth control? Like you've been, let's say you've been on it for 14 years, you just stop it and the effects go away, right? The effects go away. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so what I'm getting at is the effects that you're talking about, like altered hormones from what might be natural or what might be healthy. What I'm really getting at is the effects don't necessarily go away just when you stop birth control after using it for an extended period of time, because the body adapts to this foreign material, which is the birth Mm -hmm. control pill altering or 
hormones um, and the body's ability to produce these various chemicals in itself. And so after a period of time, uh, the situation, and this is true for a lot of medications, it's not just the pill, lots of medications can have this very negative effect. The body loses its ability to regulate itself properly. So mm-hmm. I think exactly. I'd like to hear you guys talk about that. I don't know. you you have a lot of clients and patients where that had probably experienced that, but maybe for the listeners, could you kind of describe maybe the struggle that they might not even be aware that they are mm-hmm. for the future? Because they have the expectation that, okay, I'm just going to take birth control from age 16 to age 30, and then I'm going to get pregnant after I've established my career. Right. Um, and, and I'm just going to go off the pill and get pregnant because it'll, it'll leave my system. But what's the reality? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So true that we can stop taking birth control pills and hope to just get right back into balance. And yes, many women do take birth control pills and get pregnant quickly. Mm-hmm. after stopping that's true pills. but it doesn't necessarily mean that her body is back in balance right. prior mm-hmm. to taking the birth control pills there's still that little whether it's big or small imbalance well it's and, uh what comes to mind is uh the hormones in a woman's body after she's done having a baby after yes. she's done breastfeeding those things can kick around for up to a year Right, absolutely. In a bo- in a woman's body. So why are we missing the evidence that other things in our bodies, other chemicals, other messengers, other hormones may also be kicking around for a while? Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, yeah. in my personal opinion, it comes down to the mighty dollar of the pharmaceuticals. Ugh. Right, right. We'd love, you know, pharmaceutical companies would love for all women to be on some kind of hormonal replacement. Right. And we do. They wouldn't be making money if women were asking questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. The same with birth. You know, I've been a doula for almost nine years now. And what I see walking around hospitals is most of us are there to have babies. We all got here one way or another. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. But not every single human being walking the planet is going to need a heart transplant or knee replacement. Mm-hmm. We all are born <laughs> one way or another, mm-hmm. right? right? Through an incision or through a birth canal. And so the home birth rate versus the hospital birth rate, if we look at that in dollars and cents, mm-hmm. lots so of money. The population on hormones, there's lots yeah. of money to be made. Yeah. It's a sad reality. It's a sad reality. Um, Let's say a woman is on birth control pills and maybe she's listening to this podcast and she's like, oh man, maybe I should look at, maybe I shouldn't do that. What do you recommend? I recommend um, starting with a liver cleanse. Mm -hmm. Cleansing the liver. Okay. (laughs) While she's still on the pill or as she's going off? As she's going off. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she can start it while she's on the pill as well. Um, but, you know, any kind of pharmaceutical, whether it's the pill or it's uh, anything. Right. Um, any kind of a drug is going to hang out in the liver. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we want to affect, we want to cleanse the gut. Right. So the liver and the gut work together. Mm-hmm. And we can bring in a probiotic, we can increase our folate. 
Um, we want to replace our vitamins. Mm -hmm. So the pill depletes the body of essential B vitamins. Really? Okay. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I love that you said that. Like we know that it does. We're yeah. not sure why. Nobody will tell us why. Yeah. Well, and, and we know, okay, well, this makes sense though, because women do experience typically weight gain when they're on birth control. They will gain about 10 or 15 pounds. It just kind of sticks around. Mm -hmm. And and we know also that when the liver is taxed. Mm -hmm. The liver will be more prone to store fat nearby itself yes. around the belly. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that if, if you've been on the pill and you're having, you know, belly weight gain and, and you want to do something about that, you need to support the liver and right. exactly clear it out because it's doing its job over time. Um, and I experienced that when I had surgery, um, on my neck and I was on painkillers for a couple of weeks and got off of them as quick as I could, but oh my goodness, um, you know, I did gain some weight around my belly. That's just now really starting to melt off because I think it's taken me a while and I, it didn't dawn on me to do any liver support until just recently. I was listening to another podcast with Burrell education and they were talking about liver support for people that have been on medication. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Well, the liver is the most vital of the digestive system. It's, um, you know, it's trying to do its job, which is to get rid of things that are foreign in the body. And that's, so that's what it's trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, so that makes sense. Um, I wouldn't have thought of that either. Um, so, so liver cleanse, um, and then probiotics, you said something else too. What was the other thing that you said? B vitamins, B vitamins, B vitamins. um, mm -hmm. it was something with the gut. Yeah. Or was that just the probiotics? Oh, folate. Um, oh, yeah. Foods that are um, like seaweed, um, calcium, mm -hmm. the yeah. process of calcium and magnesium. Got it. And are those the, the things that are going to help rebalance um, the hormones in, in the body, or is there additional things that you recommend? Yes. So the these foods will help with rebalancing the hormones. Okay. Because the liver can get rid of all of these fake hormones that are hanging out in the bloodstream and the liver and the gut so that the body can then say, oh, wait, we need these hormones. Right. Brain, start making them, send them to the thyroid, and then the thyroid sends them to the rest of the body. Right. It, it makes so much sense, even what you just said about calcium and magnesium. We know that birth control can affect bone density. Right. And magnesium right. plays a role in sleep and energy levels and mood. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, yes, we're preventing somebody from getting pregnant, but here's the cost here mm -hmm. is, you know, there's always risk versus reward. And so the, the reward is, um, you're getting pregnant or, you know, you're regulating a period, you're dealing with a medical issue, but, but you're Robbie Peter to pay Paul in a way exactly. because it's, it's messing with your system. It's fooling and tricking your body and, and creating and imbalance because our bodies as women are balanced. Um, I'm writing a blog that's going to go out. Um, I'm going to be plugging this podcast into it. Um, oh, yay. that talks about periods and, and how women need to train their fitness around their periods. Yes. And in fitness, there's this principle of periodization that ironically often, most often does not take into account women's periods. Mm -hmm. the principle of periodization does not take into account our periods. 
Exactly. Uh, and so it's, it's this concept of, of mesocycles and macro cycles and annual cycles. And we're training and we're setting up our entire year of fitness training with these big goals in mind and breaking these big goals down into smaller goals. And then we get to female clients and we're not breaking that down into the <laughs> micro cycle mm-hmm. of exactly. her four phases of her monthly cycle, right? So like our bodies are literally doing something different every week or so. Right. And that question comes up in yoga a lot. Yeah. And so, I mean, even how we do yoga on our periods needs Mm -hmm. to change a little bit. This is when we're ovulating. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, um, there's this huge blind spot, even among women. And here we are living this every month, Mm -hmm. sitting in it, literally every month and yet missing this opportunity to work with our bodies, not against them. But then you go on the pill and now you've got a lot of those natural symptoms and that natural balance, that natural ebb and flow that is being masked and disguised and disrupted. Now what does she do? How, how, how does she tune in now? Beth, I think it's really important to point out too, that when you're on the pill, you're blocking ovulation and you're not having a real menstrual cycle with a real menstrual bleed. Right. It's all synthetic. Mm-hmm. Right. So the uterus doesn't even get a chance to really thicken and shed the lining. Mm-hmm. The period days, the bleed days are actually fake made up by the body. And they're a lot lighter than normal, which is why when you were 14, your periods lightened and got easier mm-hmm. while you were on the pill. You weren't having a real period. No. And little do they tell us that as teenage girls, heavier, more painful periods are considered normal. Mm-hmm. And, right. and in a way, good? Good normal? Yeah. Because it's mm-hmm. something new to your body. Your body hasn't been doing this for years yet. Right. And so it's figuring itself out. It's figuring itself out. Yeah. And, you know, our media, the fashion magazines that our teenage and high school girls are reading are telling us periods shouldn't be an inconvenience. Periods shouldn't be in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. just You can just get rid of them. You don't even need to have one. Exactly. And, you know, for, for the woman who is dealing with horrible periods, though, and the hope that that dangles, I've had several girlfriends that are like, you know what? I have dealt with horrible, horrible cramps, debilitating cramps mm-hmm. and, and heavy, heavy bleeding. Can't go anywhere, changing tampons every hour. I'm done. I'm just going to do this because I'm done dealing with it. And there's the part of me that goes, oh, I'm happy for you that you can have this freedom now. But then there's the other part of me going, at what cost? Right. Right. What about your bone density? What about your heart health? What mm-hmm. about your liver? What about... What do you, what would you say to somebody in those shoes? She's in pain and, 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 and the pill is the only way she's kind of surviving. I would tell a woman who I've had a woman come to me who, you know, she's not sexually active. She's in her twenties. She has debilitating periods. Mm -hmm. I referred her to one of my favorite OBGYNs. We got the temporary fix of the pill so that we could get her to a place where she can address the root cause. Yeah. Okay. So kind of clearing, clearing the slate, mm-hmm. giving her a chance to breathe and come up for air and exactly. not, not have pain for a few months exactly. with the intention of getting it dealt with, you know, not similar to, um, really how antidepressants are supposed to be used. They're mm-hmm. supposed yes. to be used 
Um, as a temporary, they were originally made for no more than 16 weeks. And we've done a, a podcast with Dr. Timothy Hyatt, who is one of the lead chemists and doctors at Dutch labs that does Dutch testing, mm-hmm. uh, talking about how, okay, yeah, they, these things have a place, but they're not meant to be a long-term solution. Right. But you have the right. pharmaceutical companies happily raking in the money as people use them long-term. Exactly. Exactly. And I just feel like our doctors as well, they don't have the training to say, okay, let's um, address the root cause. What's going on in your life that we can work on now that you're in a stable Mm -hmm. place to be able to focus on it? Because if you really need antidepressants, you can't focus on what really needs fixing. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. so a couple questions come to mind. One is um, obviously for some of these things, um, it's really advisable to work with a doctor. You really need to yes. be talking to a doctor about it. So the question is, what happens and what do you recommend for the woman who maybe is hearing this podcast and says, you know, I, I want to talk to my doctor about maybe not using this or doing something different, but the doctor is just like, no, 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 just this, the, whatever you are listening to online, don't go on the internet. Um, I hear that all the just, time. <laughs> just do this. Like, this is the right thing. What do you recommend to that woman? Like, should she just find a new doctor? What do you, what's your recommendation? Well, I feel like we're in a place where we have so many resources available to us at our fingertips. And yeah, I tell clients all the time, be careful what you read on Google. Be careful what you listen to online. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Even stuff that I teach in my classes, I'll say, you know, you're second guessing it, go with your instinct and go do your own research. I am hoping that with all of the resources we have, we are moving in a direction over the next 10 years that more and more people, men and women, are taking more control of their health care. Right. We can't rely on our insurance companies. We can't rely on our doctors because true health care takes a team. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. And I, I, I feel like our existing yeah. healthcare system and, and it's just that we've got this horrible middleman, which is the insurance companies. Yes. And um, I think Obama was trying to do something good, but what we need though is not necessarily better and more insurance. We need better teams. We need more invested doctors, we need better informed doctors, we need better informed patients and women. Yeah. Um, but we've gotten really trusting and complacent. I know I do. I'm like, hey, oh, look, this, this thing is on the shelf at my store. Surely somebody's done product quality control tests. Surely it's been approved right. by the FDA. That right. means it's fine. It's not going to give me cancer. I can trust it. Right. Uh, I find myself falling into that misaligned pattern of thinking because it's not true. Mm-hmm. I wish it was. I wish we could just blindly trust. Um, but that's just not how it works. Yeah. Well, it comes down to what they're teaching in medical schools too. There's just not enough time in medical school to cover all of the bases. No, there's not. Do you think, do you think, um, I mean, similar to <laughs> Women's health, core pelvic floor, diastases, a lot of physical therapists. In basic physical mm-hmm. therapy education, they're not, they're they're getting two paragraphs in their textbook about this stuff. Exactly. Right. They, they want to specialize in it, which makes no sense that they have to go to specialized training. If you're working with women, which make up at least half of the population, mm-hmm. and at least half of women are at some point on their period at some point when you're meeting with them. So you should know this stuff. Right. Um, 
why is this not being covered more? Why do you have to specialize in it? <laughs> okay, that was like 10 hundred questions all at once. I'm sorry, you know where I'm going. What's your response to that? <laughs> so I went to nursing school and I didn't learn anything about root causes. I just learned that if there's swelling, there's edema, edema. Okay. And we have to I thought you said a demon. Pressure. And I was like, oh, yes, yes, a demon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have to lower their blood pressure. Okay. Well, is she hydrated? There's so many other reasons for swelling other than just blood pressure. Friends. Yeah. Um, right. A lot of my breastfeeding clients, I'll say, you know, are you going to take a breastfeeding class? Well, no, the hospital will help me. The nurses will help me. I had 40 minutes of breastfeeding education in nursing school in total. And that was wow. a combination of my nutrition class and my anatomy and physiology class. Yeah. And how are they going to cover it there with uh, undergrad right. students? Really? I mean, are they going to, are they going to bring out the breast model? Are they going to really be able to cover it very well with all those no. young bachelors and people that are still drunk from the weekend? It was a PowerPoint <laughs> slide inside of the breast and it looked just like the inside of a lung. <laughs> oh yeah. And so there's just not very much. Hey, okay, here, here's, here's the big question. I always want to get to this on these podcasts is, is there a connection to oh. control? I mean, we kind of brushed on it earlier and more specifically, is there a connection to connective tissue with birth control? Because our thing here is diastases and fascia and how that impacts people's fitness. Mm -hmm. uh, we always kind of end up circling back to it. Not that mm -hmm. diastases is a root cause. We know that diastases is a symptom on a tree of things going on deep down in the roots. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are that the pill definitely affects our fitness level. Hmm. Since the pill depletes us of so many important vitamins and minerals, affects our bone density, it's going to affect our bones and our muscles. Right. Like, magnesium is so important for mm -hmm. proper muscle function. Calcium for rehabilitating the muscles. Mm -hmm. Where you, know, you, you work out and you want to regrow your muscle, you want to repair your muscle. Well, we need calcium and magnesium for that. As right. all, all the weightlifting jocks are like, oh, I thought I just needed protein. Right. I, right. That's actually me. That was me. That, that was what was in my head. I am the weightlifting jock. <laughs> I just take my protein powder. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the 80s way of thinking. And, you know, thinking back to the 80s when most of us, I know I was in Big hair. school. Yeah. You know, it was all about like the pharmacies, the drugs, the, you know, epidurals being used for birth. That's where that mm -hmm. came from. We were the drug culture. Oh, so um, you, what you're saying is okay. And there's also a big push at the six week checkup when women have just had a baby. Yeah. Really, that's the birth control checkup. Yes. It's, it's the, okay, now you're cleared for sexual activity. Uh, really? Am I, am I fleeing? <laughs> really? I didn't feel ready at the six week mark either time. Um, and so then, okay. And do you need birth control? Right. What are you doing that for is, birth control? That is the birth control appointment. Really? Right. Most women are like, oh my God, I forgot that existed. <laughs> I know. Like, will you expect me? What? Right. Why is, why are we even, oh, okay. But there are, and so, um, there are, you know, women can get pregnant that soon after I, I didn't, yes. but, um, that is, you know, some women, they do experience a big rush of hormones around the four to five week mark and maybe six weeks and they're ready. Okay. So then there's this discussion of birth control. But what you're saying is 
going on birth control at the very time, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth here totally. So just correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, uh, at the very time when a woman's body is healing, trying to heal, rapid healing is really trying to take place in the body. We're putting her on something that can actually interfere with that healing process. Exactly. Exactly. And now if this woman is breastfeeding, that can interfere with her breastfeeding because her hormones are like, what are we doing here? This is infuriating to me. I mean, I actually like it not until this moment really had made that connection in my head. I mean, I saying it out loud is just really discouraging. Yes. So around here, a lot of the doctors and midwives are steering away from the pill six weeks postpartum, and they're going for the ring and the copper IUD and saying, well, it's less hormone, but it's still hormones. It's still hormone. And now you've got a device. And I've had two, two personal people I know went to visit them in the hospital when this happened, where the IUD came loose, floated out. One of those friends that went septic, it was lodged. I don't even remember. It was like out in her colon somewhere. Mm -hmm. It had perforated her uterus. Yes. And I was just like, oh my God. I mean, I know that's rare. We have found IUDs in placentas. What? (laughs) She got pregnant with an IUD and the IUD went somewhere and it embedded in the placenta. I wonder if there's any babies. Like, is there like an idea like, hey, how did I get this IUD when I'm a teenager? Well, my mom. I mean, that's, that's like totally extreme. But I mean, what you just said makes it feel possible. <laughs> I, I mean, the, nothing is 100%. Whether we're talking about the rhythm and fertility awareness method, right. or we're talking about the IUD or the pill, nothing is 100%. I've gotten pregnant twice on the pill. Hmm. I have a 12-year-old to prove it. <laughs> Clearly, that twelve-year-old is meant to be on the planet. <laughs> I was—I'm still asking myself, how did you happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I had friends in high school that were on the pill and got pregnant. So there really is not a guarantee. You're right. You know, we have patch, we have the IUD, um, and now we have these other more long-term solutions like Assure. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a girlfriend who got the coils put in her fallopian tubes. Um, and now there's side effects that are coming out from those. And she's been dealing with some really serious symptoms. And I'm like, you might want to go get those checked. Mm-hmm. You might need to just go get that whole system just checked up on making sure. Cause something in there is hey, because she is having horrible, horrible periods. She's 38 and it's, it's not menopause. It's like the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Yeah. So, so with all this in mind, um, you know, what, what do you recommend like a woman what do? What is I the think, best thing? Well, I think that one thing probably, and I just want to hear your thoughts on this, but I think one thing is for sure to be educated, um, and to, to do some real research, but just at kind of a broader level, like, what do you recommend for maybe the woman that's listening to this podcast and didn't really know a lot of these things and is now wondering, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would definitely have a talk with your doctor and midwife. And I would start looking into women's health coaches, mm-hmm. women's health coaches come in, not because I am one, but because I was inspired to become one. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> we have so many more resources. We have unbiased mm-hmm. access to information. Mm-hmm. We're not paid right. by pharmaceutical companies. We right. don't do licensing by states. Mm-hmm. Nobody just nobody dictates to us mm-hmm. how to operate. Right. right. And I love course, that. I love I that. Too. You know, it's <laughs> it's back to the old way before medical schools and before hospitals mm-hmm. uh, is the way that most health coaches work. We are looking at the organic body. And we're not talking about health coach got your certification online over a weekend. No, right. no, right. <laughs> please always check your, your um, person's credentials, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a yoga teacher or it's a health coach, even your OB, check their credentials and yeah. check their references and check their records and, and read the reviews and, and make sure that, I mean, I think one of the most important things to look for is that your professional that you're relying on will refer out that yes. they have a strong referral network. Yes. That right. They are a team player and that they are willing to send you elsewhere. If that's what you need. I always say, beware of the coach, the doctor, the therapist, the farmer who doesn't refer you to mm-hmm. someone else. Right. The one who does it all is dangerous. Yeah. yeah. It takes a team. <laughs> and it's probably it's probably mm-hmm. more common than it should be. I'm yes. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is coming from Nicole, you a person who we you know, your list of your list of qualifications and training is quite long. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a 29 a doula, a health coach. Yeah. So and even you are not saying, "Hey, I I'm the bee's knees. I got everything. Right. I got everything right. you need." You right. will refer out. Right. And that's important. It's, it's a humble thing. It's a, mm-hmm. it, it goes back to what I always say that there are so many people that need help and healing. Nobody needs to hog them. No. And all those people need a team, not just one person. I agree. Mm-hmm. I have a great referral source, um, referral network here in my area. Um, mm-hmm. even as far as California, I have doulas who are friends out in California that I can pick up the phone and say, Hey, who's your favorite PT person out there yeah. um, right. for pelvic floor, Arizona. I had somebody ask me the other day, who do you know in Arizona? Yep. I know Shelly Luttrell. She's the founder of Eats on Feets and I work for Eats on Feets <laughs> and she's a nice. midwife. <laughs> nice. Aw. Yeah, That's what good. it takes. It's not, mm-hmm. um, one person can fix everything. Mm-mm. Nicole, um, thank you for spending time with us today. I, I got two questions. The first one is, um, what is your current favorite exercise? Stand up paddle boarding. Oh, oh, oh yes, so I did that good. yesterday. I love it. Uh, I've been wanting to so do good. it at the beginning of the summer. My husband surprised me with a stand up paddle board, and I'm addicted. I'm hooked. That's Isn't fantastic. it so nice? And it's so exciting. And it's it's upright. It's upright core and arm work. And pelvic floor. And balanced <laughs> training. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Fellow yeah. paddleboard. Okay. That's, That's fantastic. That's a, that we haven't got that yet. Um, I love that. Um <laughs> what uh where can people find you is my second question. My website is bendandblossom.com. Okay. 
All right. And also we'll, NicoleBarati.com. Okay. And we'll put both of those in the show notes. If you're listening to this and driving or something, can't write yes. that down so that people can find you. Um, <clears throat> it has been fantastic having you on today. Um, yes. Thank you for um, diving into this with us. It's, it's for some people can be a very sensitive thing. And, but, and you handled it so well. Yeah. This has been a great discussion. I feel like it's like so many things. People are typically undereducated about it and it's their body and they need to they need to be aware of some of this stuff. And, and it's so awesome and refreshing to talk to somebody with a lot of resources and knowledge about it. So we really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Right. It's good seeing you both. Bye. Bye. Well, that was a doozy. Thanks for listening. I really hope that you join us in our community over at fit2be.com. You can join as a member for one low monthly rate or an awesome yearly rate that includes everything. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on our social media on Twitter at fit to be on Instagram at fit to be studio and on Facebook under fit to be tummy safe fitness. See you soon.